Hello and welcome to episode three of the Controversial Nutritionist podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about perfect diets or the concept of a perfect diet and the types of nutritional advice that are now out there for us to understand and follow. So I'm going to start by talking about the different types of advice and advisors that are out there and what you can do to cut through that noise and what a perfect diet can be for you. And then towards the end, I'm going to give you a tip. If you are struggling to eat tasty homemade meals on a regular basis, we're going to talk about something that might help you, something that's helped me. Okay, so on with the main part of the show. So now we have several types of nutrition professional who are readily available to uh, give us advice. So we have a dietitian, who is someone who typically works for the NHS, who would you would get referred to via your GP. Sometimes GPs give us nutritional advice, or maybe your practice nurse or a midwife. Then we have nutritional therapists, who are now fairly well known, and there's, you know, probably at least one on your high street. And we also have people like personal trainers in the gym. Very often they have a nutrition qualification and will give you advice if you are paying them for personal training sessions. And then sometimes people like chiropractors or osteopaths or acupuncturists may give you nutritional advice and recommend certain diets to you. Now, So there's quite a a swathe of professionals who are all well qualified, know their stuff, know about health and your body, who can give you nutritional advice. So who gives the best advice and who should you listen to? So if you had £200 to spend on nutritional advice, where should you spend your money? Who's going to give you the best advice? Well, The confusing thing is that all of those professionals would probably give you different advice. It might be slightly different or it might be wildly different. And all of them are right. And so at the moment, my Instagram feed is... uh, has, I follow quite a few people who, who are, count themselves as nutritionists and give nutritional advice. And it is staggering how different the advice is. I have one guy at the moment who is very into a heavy meat-based diet, uh, no carbs at all. He, you know, he um, promotes a lot of grass-fed organic meat cooked in butter, and he is really healthy. He talks about how the fats are great for our brains and our nervous systems. And his way of eating is, is very different to a lot of other people's. But he, he has results and he's always posting the scientific studies to back up what he's saying. So there's scientific evidence behind what he's telling us as well. And then, of course, there are people who are vegans, who don't have any animal produce at all. And again, you know, they are really healthy. They get results. They feel great. And there's also plenty of scientific advice to back up what they're saying as well. So those are sort of two ends of the spectrum. 
And then you've got, you know, uh, sort of NHS advice would be to have a little bit of everything, some starch, some dairy, some uh, oily fish, plenty of vegetables. And that is all great too. So how do you pick what is right for your body? And, And what I would like to say to you is that actually your body is going to give you the best advice. So you can either choose what feels sort of fundamentally right to you to, to follow out of um, out of all the different types of professionals, all the books. I mean, you know, we have, we have celebrities writing books about nutrition now with recipes and what's worked for them and how they like to eat. But what I think is if you, if you choose to follow someone's advice, you're kind of giving up your power and your responsibility for putting food into yourself, you're giving that to somebody else who doesn't know you, who doesn't live in your body. And it's quite um, a fundamental part of your everyday life and health, choosing what what you eat and, and, what, and how you nourish yourself. So to, to follow someone else's rules... I think can be quite disempowering in a way, which I understand, of course, may sound extremely hypocritical coming from somebody who spent many years as a nutritional therapist, um, uh, taking money from people, advising them what to eat. But I don't do that anymore. So uh, the, the, the hypocrisy has finished. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's it's worthwhile to get pointers and to educate yourself from professionals and books. But when you start following plans to the letter, and when you especially when you have rules to follow, then I think that can be quite disempowering. Um, so what I'd like you to take away from this podcast is to learn to listen to yourself and learn to trust yourself. Now, I'm assuming that you have a decent level of nutritional knowledge, and by the very nature of the fact that you're here, I think that we can assume you do have a decent level of knowledge, as most of my followers do. You might not think that you have uh, enough nutritional knowledge, but that's probably because things are changing so fast. You're all, we're always being told something different. But I'm telling you that you do have a decent level of nutritional knowledge. You know, you could tell me which foods are healthy and which foods aren't at a basic level. But so if, if, if you think about how things have changed, when I was growing up, it was... Everything had to be low fat. Fat was a huge enemy and no one really paid that much attention to sugar and there were a lot of processed foods being produced that were low fat and and had sugar in them um, to make up for the lack of fat and that was all okay. Whereas now, of course, it's sugar and carbs that are a huge enemy and fats are very much welcomed and that's that's kind of been flipped on its head in, in my lifetime um you know there there are things that are that are often changing which can make us doubt what we know and believe and i know of uh, many uh, uh people and clients who um 
beat themselves up about how they are not eating well enough or they're not eating healthy enough or they you know they feel they could do better they could always be doing better but i know that they're doing okay they're compared to someone with the the a very unhealthy lifestyle and diet you know these people are doing amazingly well but because of the media noise and bombardment we have of people who are just shouting from the rooftops about their diets and, you know, uh, giving us all of these recipes for clean eating and, um, uh, you know, and vegan recipes and, and dairy-free recipes and sugar-free recipes, we feel that we're not doing enough, but... I'm pretty sure we are. I'm pretty sure we are because we live in a world where we have access to fresh food very, very easily. We have access to fresh meat, fresh vegetables, fresh fish and fresh food, fruit at any time of the year. And most of us are doing pretty well. Okay, so how can you learn to really trust that you know what you're doing and that you don't really need any the advice of a professional you don't need to read more books you don't need to go on courses how can you learn to know that what you are eating is okay and how can you learn to choose foods which will give you a really great diet well you need to do some investigation and to ask yourself some questions. So I'd like you to think about foods that don't leave you feeling great. Okay, are there any obvious foods that when you eat or the day after they leave you feeling uh, lethargic, bloated, constipated, uh, fuzzy-headed, slow? Are there any foods that you know that are like that? And if you do know that, then you know that those are foods where you have that knowledge. You don't necessarily have to exclude them, but you know that if you eat them, that's going to be the consequence, okay? You have that knowledge. So pay attention to how foods leave you feeling. So conversely, there may be foods that you know really energize you, or they just feel at some level, you feel nourished and satisfied, or you feel they make you feel healthy you know that's that's powerful knowledge in itself and that might not be what you expect um you know for example lentils or chickpeas which are pretty healthy foods when you look at them on paper um they might make you feel awful you know that does happen to plenty of people yet they still sort of feel guilty that they don't eat them or they feel they should be eating more of them or they do eat them and they suffer the consequences because they feel they should be eating them because they're a healthy food. So start to understand what different types of foods do to you and you personally, okay? And another good question to ask yourself is what would your body ask for? What would your body ask to eat? And this is actually really key because if you get really good at it, your body will give you the answers. If you get really good at tuning in and um, trusting yourself, trusting your body, then you've got, then you have, 
your own diet. You know, and uh, you know, of course, I hate using the word diet, but um, that that is a way of understanding really what is what is good to to nourish your body in particular. And then write down all the foods that make you feel satisfied, and because um, that's what food should do. You you should feel full in a nice way, satisfied, um, and and pleased. And and just when you're doing this, try and forget all the knowledge that you've learnt about food and nutrition and diets. Because as I said before, you know. Us, that, that, that knowledge can get out of date very quickly and the tide can turn. Um, and try and f- forget about the words and uh, the foods that you should be eating. Whenever you hear a should, that's a real red, red flag. So if you say to yourself, oh, I, sh- I should have had a healthier lunch or I should have done this, that is just beating yourself up for something that, for whatever reason, it wasn't possible for you to do. And whenever there's guilt around what, what you've eaten, that is also a red flag that you're trying to shoehorn yourself into something that for whatever reason didn't fit for you, okay? So for example, maybe you ate donuts in the office because someone bought them in for their birthday and you feel horrendous about it. You're beating yourself up, you're telling yourself that you're weak, you feel guilty, you know that there was sugar in it and you shouldn't have done that. But you did. And the reason that you did was because you wanted to, because they were tasty, because you were celebrating a colleague's birthday. Those are all perfectly valid reasons. So when you have guilt and when you're thinking that you should eat something, those are your red flags telling you that that's not actually, for whatever reason, what you want to do. Okay. Now, another way that you can start to... uh, make your own great decisions about how you nourish yourself is to write down a list of all the foods that have a hold over you. And these are the foods that you can't say no to, even when you're not hungry. So, I mean, often these are are sugary things. And I know for myself, you know, sugar has a huge hold on me. And um, I took steps to to remove it from my life to some degree, um, which I will perhaps talk about in a later podcast, um, because I I realised that it wasn't acting like a food. To to me, it was acting like a drug. I couldn't say no to it. I would eat sugary foods even when I wasn't hungry, um, and there was almost no off switch. You know, it wasn't, I couldn't moderate it. So it definitely had a hold over me. So are there any foods like that, that are having that kind of effect on you, you know, that might be uh, cheese or crisps, things that you absolutely don't have an off switch for and you can't say no to. Now, from from my perspective, as I say, you know, I, I, I can't really class those as foods because they have such huge power over us. So there's something different going on there. So, so be aware of that. Um, and again, don't beat yourself up. You know, when something has a hold over you, it's not because you're weak, you know, it's it's because it's a very powerful uh, substance that we're dealing with here, okay? So, I mean, you have a limited time on this planet, so how do you want to nourish yourself between now and the end? You have to enjoy your life, you have to enjoy what you eat, and feel good about what you eat. So, punishing yourself, feeling guilty and beating yourself up, from my perspective, is not 
a great way to spend your life. And, you know, I'd also like to to, to sort of just go over what, what do you think is a perfect diet for you? What does that involve? What does it even mean? Do you want to eat so that you feel great? Do you want to eat so that you can enjoy food with your friends? Because we use food as a really important part of tradition, celebration, and culture. Um, you know, all of those things are really important. Or is food simply fuel for you? You know, do you use it to uh, get better at a sport or for some kind of endurance training or something like that? So I think for most people, it's going to be a mixture of all of those things. And that's okay. And you don't need to have it mapped out, you know, uh, as a plan. But just be aware that all of those things are okay. You know, sometimes... Food will involve, you know, snacking popcorn in front of a film or eating a great big bowl of tortilla chips on a Friday night while you're enjoying a film. Or sometimes it's a big roast lunch out in a pub. Or sometimes, you know, when you're traveling, it's something really grotty in a service station. All of those things are part of our our modern lives. And of course, sometimes food is delicious, uh, healthy Um, home-cooked meals from scratch enjoyed with your family or maybe you know uh, eaten by yourself Um, something you've made something really delicious for yourself and it's and it's like a form of self-care that you're 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 feeding yourself with something you've really enjoyed making something you really enjoy eating and and all of it is okay you know if there's anything I want you to take away from this it's like leave the guilt behind Once you can shed the guilt, you can start to see things more clearly and understand that life is life. And there are so many different situations where we need to eat differently and it's it's all okay. Okay, so, you know, think about how, how would you make choices about what to eat if you didn't know anything? You know, that's also a really interesting perspective. You know, if you didn't have any nutritional knowledge, how would you make choices? And how do wild, you know, I often think, how do wild animals make their choices? They don't make choices. They simply use what's available in nature. Um, of course, you know, humans are, are messing that all up for them. But uh, they just they just make choices based on what is available to them at what time of the year. And, you know, part of me thinks that one of the healthiest ways to eat for people in Northern Europe is the meat and two veg approach that was that was probably uh, widely consumed at the beginning of the 20th century. They would have a little bit of meat or fish, some vegetables, and everything was very seasonal because you couldn't transport food for miles away. You know, they, they had oranges at Christmas, uh, cabbages in the winter loads of apples in the autumn, that kind of thing, you know, that that was, in a way, eating as close to nature as as modern humans can get. So, So learn to listen to your body and trust yourself and try and get rid of, shed the, shed the conditioning that we've, we've been fed about, about what is, what is a good food and what is bad food, okay. And, you know, if, if I was pressed to give some advice. What I think is important is 
try and cook from scratch whenever you can. I mean, for me, it's not possible to cook from scratch every single day of the week. That doesn't happen. So I maybe cook from scratch, say, three, three nights a week, maybe four. Or sometimes it's a mixture of putting something pre-made into the oven, but having that with a salad, which is made from, from fresh ingredients. So I do think cooking from scratch is really important because then you're cutting out processed foods, things that come from a factory are not made with love, like things that are in your come from your own kitchen. Um, and when I was talking about all the different types of um, professional advice and diets that are around, when I was talking about that earlier, one thing they do all have in common is fresh vegetables. And fresh vegetables are, I think, our mother nature's gift to us. You know, they really do provide a great fuel for humans to run on. But of course, you know, eating just vegetables on their own is not going to nourish us. So we do need to include other things. So I'm not saying um, that that's the only thing we need to eat. Of course we don't. But including some vegetables in your diet is always a good idea. So think about the ones that you like best. Maybe it's, maybe you have to have your vegetables covered in cheese sauce, like cauliflower cheese, or maybe you need like a uh, Thousand Island dressing on a salad because otherwise you find it bland. That's okay. That is okay. You know, don't beat yourself up that you're not eating um, a plain salad with no dressing or, or, or you don't eat steamed vegetables. You know, what vegetables do you like? What vegetables do you like to eat? And, and, and focus on those ones. Okay, so now I want to talk about um, a tip that I'd like to give you if you are struggling to cook meals regularly, you know. So what happened to me was that um, before I had my son, I would usually cook something really delicious um, most nights of the week. But then after my son was born, my partner started cooking a lot. So that didn't, so I was sort of out of the kitchen a bit more. But then in more recent years, I would, um, Come sort of five, six o'clock, I, I wouldn't know what to cook. I'd made something for my son already, so I felt like I couldn't be bothered to do anything else. I would wait for my partner to come home so that we could talk about what we wanted. And by that time, it was after six o'clock, and neither of us could be bothered to cook. We would, like, cobble something together from the freezer or often have a takeaway. And it was becoming... Um, a bit rubbish, really. Uh, we were ha having takeaways too regularly. I just felt completely uninspired um, to make anything. I felt that um, it was too difficult to make a decision. I was finding that a real struggle every day come meal times. I found it really difficult to make a decision about what to eat. So I knew that something had to change. So what I decided to do was write a weekly meal plan. And you may already be doing this. And if you are, uh, brilliant. You know, it, I, I have found it so useful to um, look at the coming week so I can and also work out what nights, you know, am I going to be in for dinner? Is my partner going to be in for dinner? Who's going to be around? I can see the nights that we're all in and um, choose, allocate meals to those evenings in advance. And if you don't already do this, you might think, oh, well, I don't want to do that because when it comes to Wednesday night and there's chicken stir fry on the menu, I'm not going to feel like it. 
Well, what, what I have found is that actually that's not the case. When you know what your meal is going to be, because you've planned it in advance, so you know from in the morning what you're going to be making in the evening, you're, you're used to that. And um, actually, the, the fact that the decision has been made is really useful and you do feel like eating it because you know what's coming. And if you don't, you can always swap swap the nights around. You know, we, we do that quite a lot. We Sometimes if there's less time or if someone doesn't fancy something, we'll just swap a day around. Um, so meal planning is also really great for doing the shopping because you can see exactly what you need for the week for the meals that you're going to prepare. But when I started doing this, my mind would go a little bit blank. I would I would sort of really struggle to remember what meals we ate on a regular basis and it got a bit um well, samey really. I couldn't think of the variety of foods that we usually ate. My mind went blank. <laughs> and after speaking to other people, I know that um, they also forget what they eat. If I said to you, you know, what, what, what sort of foods, what meals do you have at home? You might be able to name a couple, but sometimes it's, it's difficult to remember what we eat on a, on, a, on a regular basis. So what I did was I wrote out on um, cards, I wrote the name of a meal that we all liked on uh, an old business card, actually. We, we seem to have absolutely millions of redundant business cards in our house. So um, I had a stash of business cards, and on each one I stuck on a label and wrote down a meal um, that we liked. So you could do this, if you don't have business cards, you could use uh, index cards or just on bits of paper or in a notebook. And what that has given me is a... Uh, sort of like um, my own recipe collection. So I, I have to keep adding to it, of course, because as I said, you know, I couldn't remember everything we eat. So when new things pop into my mind or we try new things, I keep adding to it. And I have a stack of cards, each with the name of a meal on it. And so when I write my meal plan, I leaf through and I choose what jumps out at me, what, what we haven't had for a while, what I fancy, I can choose, make sure that we've got a couple of fish meals in there, um, some vegetarian meals, what's going to work for the week. And that has really, really helped with um, making sure that we have the right food in the fridge to make really nice stuff. And I don't have that sort of decision fatigue of, oh, I can't be bothered to cook, or I don't know what to make, or we haven't got the stuff in. It's that's kind of it's just taken the work away from it, which is is brilliant. And now um, some weeks I don't do it every week, you know, especially if there's something like Christmas or if there's some change in the routine. And I, I feel a bit lost when when that happens, when I don't have um, a plan of what 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 we're going to cook every day. Um, it, it feels things go to pot and, and definitely we don't eat um, such tasty and homemade food. I find um, Jamie Oliver is an amazing source of recipes. I have got his app on my phone, which I think was $4.99, and it's just got a huge bank of really tasty, some of them are really quick to make. He's got some amazing stir fries on there, which takes sort of 20 minutes. Um, and that, I downloaded that app a very, very long time ago, maybe in about 2012, but that 
drastically changed the way we cooked in uh, our house. Um, so lots of the uh, the names of the meals that are on my uh, business cards for my, my recipe stash are from Jamie Oliver. BBC Good Food is also a brilliant resource if you have, uh, if you want to make something, I don't know, maybe you've got some red cabbage left over. If you just um, type in red cabbage into the BBC Good Food uh, website, you can get loads of recipes will come up. You know, whatever your particular ingredient is or what you're interested in, and they're all rated and reviewed. And something I found recently is um, HelloFresh, and they do uh, delivery meal boxes, and I trialled one once. Um, I don't have them anymore. It didn't work out for us. But their website is also a really good source of recipes. I really like the recipes there. They are quick, easy, and they seem to be um, quite sort of, uh, well, I want to say on trend with, with their with their sort of tastiness. They, they seem to be, you know, what, what modern families eat and enjoy. I mean, I'm guessing they've done loads of research because that's what their business depends on. But HelloFresh, that's my top tip. That's their really good recipes there. So um, give that a go if you're not already doing it. You know, a meal plan really has changed the way that, that we eat in my house. So I hope that, that that works for you. And, you know, do let me know um, if you're already doing that, if that works. Okay, so we've come to the end of the podcast. Um, I hope this has given you some reassurance to let you know that, you know, please, please know you are you are doing okay. You know, you do have enough nutritional knowledge to keep yourself and your family healthy. Um, and please just try and disregard all the conflicting advice because the advice is, it is, it is conflicting. You know, you can have two different professionals telling you something completely different and both of them will get good results. So, you know, try and cut through the noise. Listen to your body, you know, really try and understand what your body wants you to nourish it with. And and understand that, you know, eating is serves different purposes at different stages in, in our lives and in, and in the year. You know, there's tradition, there's culture, there's health, celebration, eating for fuel, and different situations will require you to eat different kinds of foods, and that's all okay. So if, I, if you can take away anything from what, what I've talked about today, it is please, please, please don't beat yourself up and don't feel guilty because those are gonna, that's going to add stress to your life that you just don't need. Okay, thank you for listening, and I will speak to you soon.